What's going on, guys? Welcome to Barking for Balance, the podcast where we talk about dogs, but we also talk about anything else that's meant to teach, inspire, and entertain. On this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about how dogs um, don't get punished. Uh, it's a really big misconception. People punish their dogs. Um, people don't want to punish their dogs. Therefore, they don't want to put in discipline. They misinterpret discipline for punishment. And I want to you know, shed some light onto that topic as well. Um, I also want to discuss a little bit about um, how we need to stop nurturing weakness. And that applies with dogs, but I think it applies with ourselves and also it applies with others, family members and friends and whatnot. But it certainly uh, applies when it comes to our dogs, how we uh, nurture weakness. So I want to get into that a little bit. Um, but before we get started, uh, for those of you that don't know me, I am Pat the Pac-Man and I am Dog Behavior and Rehabilitation Specialist for Pac-Man to the Rescue. If you guys don't know what that is, well, what we do is we don't train dogs. You heard that correctly. What we do is we train people, not dogs, because let's face it, that's what it's about. It's about training people, not training dogs. And uh, what we do is we teach our clients about uh, dog psychology. We teach them how to communicate dog language and amongst a slew of other things. And if you'd like to know more, let me know, and I'll be glad to share that information. And uh, that's really what we do. We don't train dogs. We train people. For those of you that are joining Barking for Balance for the first time, welcome, first and foremost. And I just want to share with you the fact that I am Sicilian. I grew up in Sicily from the age of 10 to 17. My parents are off the boat Sicilian, so I do speak Sicilian fluently, and I speak Italian fluently as well. But for some reason, Sicilian is more fun. So the reason why I'm bringing that up is because I will uh, sprinkle in some words and some phrases in Sicilian here or there. So uh, stay tuned. You're going to learn another language. Also, um, I want to share with you a little bit about my background. I like to do that in this podcast, the sharing a little bit about my background. Um, some of it has to really is re related to dogs. Some of it is just related to my life. And um, based on all the stuff that I've been through, uh, I feel that a lot of this stuff is, um, you know, very inspirational. So I want to share a little bit about that before we get into some of the dog topics. So let me share a little bit about my first job uh, that I had all through uh, high school and all through college as well. And uh, the reason why uh, it just popped into my head was because I was uh, at the supermarket this week, which, by the way, is Mr. Diego Moncan at Faraspiz. I hate food shopping. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about food shopping, but I go once a week and it's just it's just a chore that I just can't stand. Uh, you know, sometimes I wish I could just move my back in my, my parents. I don't have to worry about food shopping anymore. But uh, but no, that's not going to happen. Uh, that's, that brings up all sorts of other problems, but, uh, but it is one of the chores that I just despise. How do you guys feel about food shopping? Oh man. And by the way, about food shopping, do you guys use like the big carts or the little carts? Which one is your preference? And uh, how often do you guys go food shopping? Anyway, I don't, I don't know. I'm digressing here, but anyway, Hey, food shopping. So I was there this week as, as I always am. And, um, you know, I like to shop around. I like to look at sale items. You know, sometimes you find stuff that you need that doesn't go bad and it's on massive sale. So you grab a bunch of them. I'm not sure why I'm bringing this up. It's just one of my um, food shopping tactics. You guys share some of your food shopping tactics. So yeah, some of the stuff is on sale. I grab a bunch of it and um, store it, and, you know, because it's a good deal. Might as well grab it. Hey, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. So you got to save what you can. These are tough times. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so yeah. So, but it's just one of the things that, that actually keeps me going when it comes to, uh, to the food shopping process is, is just hunting for, 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 uh, for sale items, I guess is one of the, the only spark, but anyway, so, um, 
so yeah so what is what is one of the things you guys love share with that you know we'll spice it up a little bit but uh so i'm shopping i'm f- finishing my food shopping and then you know of course i'm i'm at the I'm at the cash register and I'm cashing out my stuff. And I personally like to use a cashier. I don't like that automated shit. But because you try to get a good tea, big tea, no, you go to good follow to equal, you know. Uh, and I'll explain what that means in a second. I like to you go to the cashier. I don't want to work there, and you'll understand in a second as to why. Even though I partially still am, because I like to um, bag my own stuff, and it's not because I'm anal. Or because I wanted nobody touching my stuff. No, it has nothing to do with that. It's just I don't know. I feel I feel like you know just helping like 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 those people that let their stuff just pile on and pile on and just stand there like um, I don't know. To me, that's just just as absurd. So whether I have a little bit of stuff or a lot of stuff, I I bag my own stuff. Um, I bag my own groceries. So what do you guys think? What do you guys do? You just stand there like Papa Dunemanchiova. Or do you bag your own groceries? Are you baggers or non-baggers? Let's share that. Uh, I'm a bagger. So um, so I'm bagging my own groceries. I'm chit-chatting with the cashier because, you know, let's face it. You know, I'm friendly. And no, it wasn't a girl that was the cashier. It was actually a young guy. And I'm um, just, you know, chit-chatting, just, you know, sh- shooting the shit. Nothing, nothing crazy. And, um, you know, he happened to notice. He's like, wow, you're, you're, you're a pretty fast bagger, you know. I didn't think so, but whatever. I mean, I think it was just kissing my ass. But uh, he says, so I didn't have to do that part. But um, so, yes, he's like, he's like, you know, you know, you're pretty impressive. And so um, we sparked into the conversation. We got into the conversation about how um, that's what I used to do. That was my my first job um, when I was here in America. And it just brings back some great memories, you know, about the working at the supermarket i used to work at uh, acme and lodi and um it's not there anymore but acme and lodi was my first ever job you know i never worked before that was like the first time that i ever that i ever worked and uh you know if you guys that don't know my background i'll give you a really quick one i grew up in sicily you know my parents are off the boat sicilian and um i lived i was born in brooklyn i lived in brooklyn until i was 10 years old and then my whole family we moved to uh to italy to sicily and i lived there for seven years from the age of 10 to 17 and then moved back to america and so you know moving back at the age of 17 you know in italy you don't have you know, part-time jobs. You know, there you grow when you're, when you're working, you're an adult, it's a different, you know, I don't know if how it is now, but um, you know, it wasn't, uh, it, you didn't work if you were like in school, your primary focus was school because school was tough, but we'll get into that another, another, another time. Yeah. School. Yeah. I got to tell you about school one day about Sicily, but um yeah. So, so I wasn't, you know, I never worked. So I came here to America and, um, you know, got my first job, you know, I was two years into high school left and then college and Acme and Lodi was my home for six years. Um, while I was in, in high school, the last, you know, the two years in, in high school that I had to do and then college. So, uh, six years I was there and let me tell you, it was cool. You know, I started off when I first got there, I started off as a, as a, as a, as a cart uh, cart wrangler or whatever, whatever it's called. You know, the guy that grabs the carts in the parking lot and, and puts them, uh, puts them back in their spot, which is another thing, by the way, what do you guys do? Do you put your carts back? Hmm. Or you just leave them in the parking lot for people to get dent. They have their cars dented. Because I'll be honest with you. I put my cart back 90 
5% of the time. I'm not going to say I do every single time, depending on where it is, depending on how, how much time I have. I'm not going to say that I do it every single time, but 95% of the time I always put my cart back in that little, you know, garage looking thing in the middle of the parking lot. Uh, how, what's it called that thing? I don't know. Garage, cart, garage, whatever. Uh, let me know what it's called if you guys know. But um, so you, you guys cart pusher, put it backers or whatever. Let me know what you think. But um, anyway, so yeah, so that's how I started off in my first, my first job at Acme. I was a cart pusher. So that part, I hated that job. But my God, it was, it was horrible. But oh, it was horrible. I used to have to be out there in the cart, pushing the carts and grabbing. And that, that, that parking lot was gigantic too. So I was in the freezing cold, in the rain, in the heat, just pushing carts and using a line. So I'm lazy by nature. I had to push these freaking carts. Oh, coming from Italy, I thought American lifestyle, you know, and here I am pushing carts. Oh, it was horrible, but it was just a stepping stone. So then the stepping stone became, I was a bagger. Yeah, I know. Bravo. promozione. Yeah, that was promoted to, uh, to be in the bagger. And then I was like the bagger and the, uh, the cart pusher. That was my, my job. And then eventually I gave, I was promoted again to cashier, which was really, honestly, that's what I was hired for is to be the cashier. And um, I got to tell you, I also held uh, positions in that in that supermarket on pretty much every single uh, area, every single department, except for deli. I never worked in the deli, uh, but I worked in the produce department. Um, you know, all that stuff, the produce, I used to stock it all up and whatever. And then I also used to work in the uh, in the bakery department. You know, you know, apple pies and all this other stuff. That's I was in the bakery department as well. And uh, and I also was in the grocery department. I remember I still remember actually my aisle. I was it was aisle number nine. And um, I used to stock uh, detergents and soaps. That was my that was my department. Yeah. Detergents and soaps. It was it was you know, it was cool. You know, it was. You know, it was it was a fun job. You know, I had like my little blue vest on and, you know, I forget. I think it was a white shirt and black pants was the uniform. And then we had like our dark blue you know, button vest with the little red and white name tag on it. And it was it was it was cool. It was my first job. And I don't know, for some reason, it was just fun. I just enjoyed it. But being the cashier was I hated that part. It was just ugh, I hated that. So when I was promoted well, or promoted or whatever you want to call it. Um, when I was moved to these other departments, uh, the grocery was my favorite. I really wasn't too thrilled about the other ones, but uh, I did like the produce work in the produce department because I used to eat in the produce department. I used to eat the grapes and the cherries and the apples and pretty much anything because it was a go in the back room and I just scarf everything down. Um, but shh, our little secret, but uh, but yeah, so it was just cool. Made a lot of good friends, had a lot of great memories there. Um, with some with some good 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 people um you know made some really like i said some really good relationships and it was it was a, just a great environment and um it was a stepping stone to a lot of good stuff so um especially you know overcoming my my insecurity and we'll get to that at another at another time about how you know acme supermarket just propelled me to to a whole other level of uh of being the pat the pack man that i am today you know um but yeah so so it was just a great time. And just talking to this kid, you know, obviously we weren't talking for much because, you know, he had other people behind me. He didn't, you know, the people were like, you know, so, you know, people are, they get a little, a little weird, but, um, but 
Eat the fucking ghoul. So now, you know, we're just chat, just, just chatting. And then as, as I was walking out, um, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't help but remember one of the greatest, coolest, weirdest things about working at Acme. And um, that was the break room soccer games. Good buddy. Good yeah, I can imagine your face at the break room soccer games. Yeah. What that means is this. Basically, the break room was set up where it was like the main break room um, was in the center, had like the tables and the vending machines and whatever else was in there. And then there was a perimeter, like a narrow perimeter around the entire break room, or at least the through through um, the three walls of the break room, break room. And it was like a corridor kind of thing. I can't explain it, but it was basically like, like um, it was like two spaces in one kind of, kind of set up. And in that area around the perimeter around the actual break room were the lockers so you had to cross through these two doorways to get into this area and the two doorways are literally one in front of the other so i'm not sure how this this tradition got started i honestly don't remember but what ended up happening was because these two doorways were in front of each other it was set up like a soccer field Right. So, and it wasn't like, they were like, it wasn't like a big space between the two doorways. It was, you know, small, but we used to play soccer in these doorway in this, in this break room. Oh man. We had some awesome times. We had like, you know, we would, get, we would take, sometimes we couldn't find like actual balls. You know, the store used to sell like rubber balls. He you know, rubber, rubber, you know, the balls, you know, the, the, you know, like, 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 like balls for kids. And like the, sometimes there was foam balls, but it wasn't all the time. So, um, we would just make shit. We'd get like like newspaper and just make it into like a ball of sorts. But it became like our thing and everybody got into it. And we'd have like people sitting at the tables just watching, watching us play. And I forget if it was like more. I think it was always one on one. Maybe it was like sometimes two on two. I don't really remember how that all went. But I do remember the fact that we had so much fun playing soccer in this little break room. You know, and we were just, you know, everybody got involved in it. Everybody got involved in it. And sometimes, obviously, the breaks were supposed to be 15 minutes. But, you know, we got away with murder for whatever reason. And uh, um, nobody ever got caught. I mean, it was, it was rare when, like, one of the managers or the assistant manager would pop up. And, you know, we were like the scramble or whatever. But nobody ever got in trouble. Nobody ever got. I mean, I think maybe we got caught a couple of times. But this was just a minanta. So I don't know exactly, you know, how we got away with it, but we would come down sweating, you know, like just dripping because it was like intense and we would get into it, you know, we're like, just kick the ball. And, you know, sometimes some of us would get hurt and, you know, but it was just so awesome. It was just this break room soccer games. I can't even explain. I can't even explain it. If you guys don't understand what I mean, just let me know and I'll be more than happy to try to explain and maybe draw like a little, a little, I don't know, like a little outline of what I'm talking about, but it was break room soccer game. So just imagine a small little room with two doors, one in front of the other, and you know, two two, two guys. Um, I don't remember if any of the girls got involved in these games. I don't think so, but I'm not sure. I don't remember. But you know, these two doofuses that we were just playing soccer and just kicking this thing and just oh, it was so much fun. It was awesome. That was the best part. It was that's some of the fondest memories from that from that uh from working at, I mean, there was a lot of great memories. Like I said, a lot of great people and a lot of great, great experiences, but for some reason, the, 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 the break room soccer matches, you know, how can you, how can you make that shit up? It was just, it was just so like unique and interesting and fun. And, you know, um, 
you know, it was just great. So if you guys want to know more about that, let me know. And we'll talk about it. You guys have any experiences with uh, any cool, any cool, uh, you know, job, you know, stuff or unique job stuff. Let me know. I'd love to talk about that. You know, share like I'm with my break room soccer matches, but <laughs> yeah, bring back some awesome memories, you know? And I mean, obviously it didn't help because, you know, there was never any, any like, uh, any backlash, you know, no, no, there was no, no repercussions from it. And thank God, I mean, Benedicto Senguro, you know, we could have gotten fired, I guess, or, or whatever, but nothing ever happened. And most of the time we would be out there for hours at a time, you know, we would sneak out and just go in the break room, especially if the managers weren't around, we would just disappear for hours and just go play soccer in the break room. So it was really cool. But uh, yeah, anyway, so like I said, you guys want to know more about that? Let me know. And uh, <laughs> how do I segue from that into talking about not nurture, how to stop nurturing weakness and how to uh, understand dogs don't get punished? Let's just go right into it. So <laughs> let's just dive right into it. As far as, listen, this is a topic I, I hear all the time, and that's why I really wanted to bring it up. Because, um, you know, when I talk to people about what is necessary to have a dog that's happy, fulfilled and well behaved, um, you know, that's really what it takes. And that's really necessary. But before we get we get we get into that, I just want to remind you guys that if you are watching this, uh, this pretty face on uh, YouTube, uh, I want to make sure you, you remember to uh, hit that subscribe button. So you don't miss out not just on the podcast episodes, but you also don't miss out on all our instructional videos, we got a bunch of them coming out on a weekly basis, you know, so I want to make sure that you don't miss out on those. And uh, if you're if you'd like to listen to the podcast, uh, the podcast is on all major podcast platforms, you know, the links are are in the description here. So uh, make sure you like this video and also make sure you hit that subscribe button. And um, but before we talk about uh, some dog topics, uh, if you haven't already done so, I want to remind you guys to make sure you uh, hit that subscribe button uh, if you're watching this pretty face on uh, on YouTube and also, you know, hit that like button if you like this video as well, which I'm sure you do. But uh, make sure you still hit that subscribe button. I want to I want to ensure that you don't uh, miss out not just on our podcast episodes, but also but also on uh, all the uh, instructional videos that we got coming out. We got tons of videos coming out on a weekly basis. So I want to make sure that you don't miss out on that. And in addition, uh, make sure you follow us on, um, on, uh, on social media, Facebook and Instagram for all the stuff that we don't post on YouTube. Uh, as far as the podcast is concerned, if you'd like to just listen to it, um, you, we, you can listen to it on all the major uh, podcast platforms. Uh, links are in the description below. So make sure you hit those buttons and uh, this way you don't miss out on anything. So what's the story about dogs being punished? Listen, everybody, you know, wants to, you know, what, well, I'm not putting it all gone. You know, everybody wants to punish a dog. Everybody that, you know, some, actually it's not everybody. I shouldn't say that. It's really 50-50. There's those that want to punish their dog and there's those that don't want to punish their dog. And it's kind of like a little bit of confusing. confusing. So I want to make this really crystal, crystal clear because one of the things that I always preach about is that a dog, in order for them to be happy, fulfilled, and well-behaved, they need structure, they need leadership, they need directions, bounds, and limits. And a lot of people misinterpret that as being mean, as being as punishment. So discipline, discipline does not mean punishment. Discipline is about being consistent and having structure. So, you know, if you look at like 
like bodybuilders, for example, you know, bodybuilders are very disciplined. They're disciplined with their diet. They're disciplined with their lifestyle. They're disciplined with their exercise routines. You know, they try not to deviate too much or at all from their diet, from their lifestyle. You know, they don't consume alcohol. They don't consume sugar. You know, they're very, very structured and disciplined. And that's really what the, what the word discipline means. It's about having structure. I don't understand where, where at some point in America, the word discipline became associated with something terrible. You know, if you discipline a child, you discipline an employee, you discipline your dog, discipline is necessary. There has to be structure. There has to be accountability for our actions, for our behaviors. So when it comes to discipline, the word discipline does not mean punishment. So first and foremost, we don't punish dogs. Okay. We correct dogs. Punishment is more for humans. You know, punishment has more of a rational process. So we send the child to their room to think about what they've done. You know, that's what happens is he's thinking, he's processing what is it that he did wrong or she did wrong, and they're learning from it. Dogs don't do that. Dogs are instinctual creatures. So they react based on instincts. So also understanding that dogs live moment to moment. So the moment they do something is the moment to address it. If you address it after the fact, it's a different moment. So it doesn't have any application. So guess what? You ain't teaching shit to your dog as much as you think so. Because at the end of the day, like I said, discipline does not mean that you're, that doesn't mean punishment. Okay. Punishment, um, punishment comes from, from frustrated, from a frustrated, um, from a frustrated and angry state of mind, you know, it comes from you being angry and you being frustrated. And the reality is that you don't want your dog to relate you to that state of mind. You know, everything we talk about is being calm and firm. If you become angry or frustrated, you're unbalanced, your dog will not trust, respect, or follow you. It's that simple. So again, a punishment comes from a negative state of mind, from an angry, frustrated state of mind. And you don't want your dog to relate that to you, relate you with that. You know, you want your dog to relate you with calm and firmness. That's really how you earn your dog's trust and respect. You know, people, people don't want, some people don't want to be uh, disciplinarians because they don't want to be seen as the bad guy. You know, and a lot of times I see this often with, uh, with like couples where one couple is the disciplinarian, the other one is the, the loosey goosey one. And what ends up happening is that the one that's the disciplinarian becomes more firm, more tough, because has to, she, she or he feels that they have to compensate for the other one's uh, looseness. And so the loose one becomes even more, you know, even more loose, you know, even more um, weak, to compensate for the strictness of the other and the other one compensates and get, and so they, there's a big disconnect. So the higher they both go, the more they're getting away from each other because they're trying to compensate for the other as opposed to coming together. So like the, the stricter one becomes even more strict and the weaker one becomes even more weak. Again, they're trying to compensate for the other and it just continues to snowball from there. So it's important to understand that being a dis, establishing discipline is what dogs want. I know it's shocking. Oh, they want discipline. No, no, disciplina. Yes. God damn it. Yes. They want it. They need it. They require it. You know, it's a, it's a misunderstanding when people misinterpret discipline for punishment or negativity. You know, it's a mis it's a misinterpretation of what true leadership is all about. And I mean, 
the fact of the matter is that, you know, a dog wants to be told what they're doing, wants to be told when they're doing something wrong, because that's how they're going to learn what it is that you want. If you don't set expectations for them, they're never going to be able to give you what you want. Because listen, at the end of the day, dogs want to please us. So in order to please us, we have to give them something to follow. We have to give them some instructions. Otherwise, they're going to be clueless. And then we get aggravated when they're not giving us back what we want. Well, guess what? You didn't tell them anything because you felt bad about being, you didn't want to be the bad guy. Well, I don't want my dog to hate me. Listen, your dog will not hate you if you are calm and firm when correcting them. And again, it's correcting them at the time when they're doing something. So for example, um, let's talk about like housebreaking, right? So housebreaking, it will, it will make, it'll make, give you the concept easier. So people will tell me oftentimes that when one of their dogs has an accident in the house, when they have an accident in the house, what they're told or what they're finding on Google or whatever they're finding this, this crock of shit is that you take the dog and you rub their face in it. Okay. After the fact, or you yell at them, no bad boy, you didn't do that. The dog's looking at you like, they're looking at you like you're crazy. Okay. Because again, the moment has passed. They already did what they did. So now they're in a different moment. So there's no association there. So if you step in and you stick their nose in the poop, there's no association. When was the last time you saw another dog grab another a dog and stick their face in the shit? Tell me, because that doesn't happen. All that stuff that, that you read or the people say or whatever, it's stupid. Okay. You don't punish your dog for going to the bathroom. Now, if you catch him in the act and this, we have videos about housebreaking. So you can take a look at those. That's why I want you to subscribe to the YouTube channel. So you can follow all these videos. So you can learn, learn, zing at the, zing at the. so you can learn all this stuff. But when it comes to the housebreaking process, you correct them when it happens, you don't yell, you don't scream, you don't go crazy because they're not going to think you're nuts and they're not wrong. They're right. So the key here is to understand that when it comes to being a leader, being a leader, you have to be a disciplinarian too, which means doesn't mean that you have to uh, punish them when they're doing something wrong, but you have to guide them in the right direction. So again, going back to the housebreaking process, if you catch them in the act, that's when you want to put a leash on them and bring them outside because it's the moment that they're going to the bathroom. And that's the time when they're thinking to themselves, ah, so you don't want me to go here. You want me to go there. Duh. Megabish. Oh, that's the pattern. So that's really why it's so important to understand that punishment really doesn't do anything because dogs live in the moment. So when we punish, we're living in all these other moments after what they just did. You know what I'm saying? So we have to learn as humans to live like a dog, which is correct. Snap out of it, relax and move on. I know hard to do, right? Yeah. It's, it's easy to do if you focus on it. Living in the moment is cool. And we have a video about that. See, subscribe to the channel. You get all these cool videos. Anyway, and you get to see Socks and Pepper in that video, actually. So yeah, living in the moment, it's cool. But that's the really the reality of it. So being a disciplinarian is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a necessity because your dogs will look at you as a source of trust and respect and guidance and direction and all sorts of other stuff that you want 
in order to have a dog that's happy, fulfilled, and well-behaved. It's really that simple, okay? But you got to always remember that calm, firm state of mind is always at the top of the list. It's always paramount everything else. Now, you know, I guess it's, it's a choice that people make, whether they want to be disciplinarians or not. Maybe they don't want to change. I mean, I've worked with plenty of people that just they just they just can't do it. They, I mean, I personally think that they just don't want to do it. Want to fight it? You know, they just make that. It's a choice. You can either choose to or you choose not to. I guess it's it's kind of similar to like like taking the easy road. You know, it's easier to not be disciplinary, disciplinarian, to not be firm, and just you know you know let let your dog get away with murder. And it's very similar to. Um, to like, you know, a family life where, you know, a parent will just let their kids just run wild and do whatever they want. And then they're complaining about how their kids are, you know, getting into trouble and causing trouble and whatever. Well, you know, put your foot down. My father would have would have put his foot up my ass. Because, you know, discipline is necessary. If you're doing something wrong, you got to be, you know, corrected. Now, granted, you know, Sicilian style lifestyle, I'm sure, you know, you guys let me know if you know about that whole thing. You know, the wooden spoon, who, you know, what Italian has never experienced that? Or Ascaipa, the shoe. Come on, you guys know what I'm talking about if you're Italian. You know, that's like, that's like a weapons, man, when it comes to an Italian household. The wooden spoon, how those shits didn't break. I don't know what the hell those things are made out of. You catch a beating with those things. And let me tell you, Italian women, Sicilian women, I know for sure. I'm assuming most Italian women too. They are freaking marksmen with that shoe, man. That sky proprio, I know. Like millimeters. When they take off their shoe and they fling it at you from like 20 yards down, man, they will pin drop that shit in your face. How they do it, man. They should join the army of snipers, man. Forget freaking rifles. Put a shoe in those women. My Lord. Anyway, I digress with all that stuff. But again, again, that's that's a form of human correction, human punishment, human discipline. Dog discipline is different. You know what I'm saying? But it's still discipline. You have to let someone know they're doing something wrong. You know what I mean? The, the whole wave of, you know, positive reinforcement. You don't correct your dog. You love them. It's necessary to let your dog know or let your child know or let your employees know that they're doing something wrong. It doesn't mean you have to be a dick about it. But You can be calm. You need to be calm. But assert yourself to let them know that's not acceptable. You can't do that. No. I mean, what's wrong with that? That's why America is so like all over the place is because all of a sudden discipline has become a bad word. Structure, discipline, you got to follow the system. It's hierarchy of authority. If you don't want to, you know what I mean? If you work for some, you work in a business, you got to follow the rules. If you don't like them, get out. If you go into somebody's business, that's another thing that really aggravates me. It's, you know, people that want to tell business owners how they should run their business. Listen, if you don't like the way I do things, go somewhere else. Nobody's obligating you. Nobody's holding a gun to your head saying you got to buy my stuff. You know what I mean? Because this, the way the structure is, that's the way they want to do it. That's the way each individual has their own structure. Family lives, you know, like, like parents may have different setups for their kids. You know, bedtime by eight o'clock when somebody else's bedtime is nine o'clock. You know, dinner is at six and other people's dinner is at seven. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has their own structure their own system 
You know what I mean? It doesn't make them wrong. It's just their own system. So it's important for dogs to have that structure, to have those rituals, routine processes, procedures, so that they know what to expect. It's that simple. If you're a boss and you have employees, same thing. This way they know what to expect. Kids, same thing. This way they know what to expect. And also, if they're going down the wrong path, you get them right back on this on the right path. It's that simple. You know what I mean? So again, discipline is not a bad word. Discipline's a good word. But remember, calm and firm state, not frustrated and angry, angry state. Punishment is not for dogs. We don't punish dogs, we correct dogs. Okay. You know, and like I was saying before about like making choices, um, you know, it's, it, it's, I guess, but like the choices are sometimes you, do, you, you know, you take the, the path of least resistance, you know, the path that makes you look like, like a hero, even though you're really not, you're really not a hero because you're taking the path of least resistance. Like, for example, um, you know, if, if I could, I could have done this when I first started working with dogs. I mean, I could have taken the path of just doing simple stuff of working with Fifi and Fufu, um, you know, dogs and just, that's it, you know, taking like, you know, easy, fluffy cases, nothing complex, you know, you're working with easygoing people, you know, like people that really don't require any, any energy, you know, and you could just pick and choose, you know, I want to work with this one, I don't want to work with that one, you know, you could pick and choose. So you pick the you pick the path of least resistance. So for me personally, you know, again, I guess it's a choice that you make on which direction you want to go. Um, and, you know, I choose, I don't know, so you're stupid, I guess, you know, I'm stupid, I guess, you know, I, um, I chose the path that of, of, of more difficulty. I told, I chose the more difficult dogs, but in, more importantly, I chose the more difficult humans because a lot of times I work with people that, um, you know, need, need more handholding, you know, need to be brought down a peg, you know, need to be, I need to be tough with them. You know, I need to assert myself with them. I need to keep them in line. You know, I need to be disciplined myself in order to discipline them, especially if like they don't follow the instructions, you know what I mean? So I could easily just go to somebody else and just teach them like some simple stuff and whatever, but I choose to work with those cases, dogs and human that are challenging. And you know what? I'm I'm good with that. I'm I I find fulfillment from that. I find I find that rewarding. And that's what I enjoy. You know, some people some people like working with just happy-go-lucky dogs, you know. They go in, they're just laying around with the puppies jumping all over them and you know, they don't have to deal with people. You know, I as you know here and if you don't know this, you're about to learn. You know, Pac-Man to the rescue. That's what we do here. We teach people. We train people, not dogs. And unfortunately, that's a, that's a lot harder than training dogs because, you know, teaching people to change the way they think, feel, and act is hard. And 95% of what we do at Pac-Man to the Rescue is we empower people from an emotional, mental, spiritual state. You know, we toughen them up. We, we, we bring them up if they're down. You know, we, we work on this. I mean, just the other day, just yesterday, as a matter of fact, I, I was working with the, on a virtual case with a client and right at the end, the husband was like, man, you're like a psychiatrist. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I am. Because this is, that's what the whole point is, is to create the human, empower the human with knowledge, inspiration, and motivation so that this way they take care of their dogs the right way. Not with the trick-or-treating bullshit, but the right way. This way dogs are happy, fulfilled, and well-behaved. And so are the humans and everybody's great. You know, it's not just about making dogs because this actually is a perfect segue into uh, what I wanted to get into, which is to stop nurturing weakness because we do that 
not just with our dogs, but we do that with, with our, with our, with ourselves and with families. So, you know, it's, it's easy for us to, it's, it, I mean, I, and I've been guilty of this too, but you know, it's easy to look at ourselves, you know, to, to say, you know what, this is who I am. It's easy to say, well, you know, it's because of my upbringing. It's because of just the way and this and that and the other thing. No, look, when it comes to, when it comes to nurturing weakness, we have to remember that whether it's ourselves, nurturing weakness within ourselves, nurturing weakness within a family or a friend, or nurturing weakness with the dog. And I see this all the time. And it's very frustrating when people allow their dogs to be either mediocre or even horrible. And when I say that, I mean their behavior, you know, like having a dog that is attacking people or other animals, that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. You know, you're not responsible as a dog owner if you let your dog be a danger to others, you know, and you're also not being responsible to that dog because that dog's in danger himself, you know, biting the wrong person, doing something wrong. And all of a sudden, even something simple as not, you know, having proper boundaries, you know, your dog runs out, out of the door, you open the door, dog, dog bolts, it gets hit by a car. But goodbye, finny on it. You know what I mean? That's that's being irresponsible. So nurturing that weakness, because I see this a lot, is people justify it. Oh, well, it's because this is the breed or because of this and because of that. There's ways to fix it. You know what I'm saying? It's just that you're not trying to because you're just allowing that weakness to take place. Or even with ourselves, like when I work with clients and the one thing that they tell me is, for, for example, when I tell them, listen, you got to be patient because, you know, this is a process and you're changing the, well, I'm not really a patient person. Well, the first thing I tell them is, well, you're going to learn. Your dog's going to teach you how to be patient. So don't make excuses. I don't want to hear that shit that you're not patient. Maybe right now you're not, but by tomorrow, you're this much more patient. And guess what? That's progress. And I like progress because we focus on progress, not perfection. You know what I'm saying? So even if you're just a little bit more patient, or even if you're trying to be patient, that's still progress because yesterday you weren't even trying that. You know what I'm saying? So but you have to do it. You have to just a little bit, just a little bit, you know, a little bit of progress is still progress. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes to nurturing weakness, if like, you know, um, if you're like on a sports team, like on a sports team, and you know a player's not performing well what's going to happen you replace them it's really that simple you know in in family with our dogs you know we make excuses even with ourselves we make excuses oh you know he's having a bad day oh it's who he is oh he's trying his best we don't challenge them we don't motivate them we allow them to be there and that's as far as it goes. So if that's what we allow, that's what we're going to get. You know what I mean? If we allow our, even ourselves to stay at that level, we don't challenge ourselves. We don't push ourselves. That's what we're going to get. Listen, me personally. Okay. I mean, there's a bunch of different things that I could throw in here as far as examples, but let's talk about technology. You know, I'm sitting here with all this technological stuff, this podcast and these videos and YouTube. And I got to tell you, for those that don't know me, I suck with technology. You know what I'm saying? I am not good with all this computerized, all this, this, this technological stuff. I suck at it. 
So for me to get involved with this, this all this quote unquote high tech equipment, you know, microphones and cameras and computers and software and all this shit. You know, it's not something that's normal for me, but to, in order to get this done, I have to challenge myself. Listen, is, at some point, do you think that I want to throw in the towel when things got tough? Yeah. But if we don't challenge ourselves, if we nurture that weakness, if I nurture the weakness that I was in and I justify it, that's what I'm going to get. Nothing. And we wouldn't be here. You know what I mean? And that's really important because the same thing with our dogs. If we justify bad behavior, they're going to give more of that because you're basically saying to them, again, remember, dogs want to please us, right? So if we're saying it's okay to be aggressive, it's okay to be fearful, it's okay to be whatever, then they're going to say, well, then this is what I'm going to be. And this is what I'm going to do more of and be more of because that's what my mommy and daddy want. Make sense, right? So, you know, in, when we nurture each other in weakness, it's not a good thing. Like if you're a business owner and I want you to, I want you to think about this. Um, I want you to think about this realistically. If you're a business owner and your employees are not performing, what would you do? You know, if it was family or loved ones, you probably would nurture that weakness. Well, you know, he's trying, this is who he is. He's doing his best. He's having a bad day, bad moment. You know, if it's us, it's even worse. Well, I tried. Well, you know what? I can't do it. It's not cool. It's not cool. You know, we we can't nurture weakness for ourselves because even as our for ourselves, if we don't continue to grow and overcome those weaknesses, then our dogs, our family, our businesses, our lives are not going to be the same. And, you know, it's all about improvement. We got to continue to improve. And those bad habits, especially those destructive bad habits, can really come and bite us in the ass. And they really can. And it's not fun when you know you know you 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 just stay in a in a place like like with socks. I mean, this is a perfect example. You know, some people that would have taken them in, they would have just just made excuses. You know, maybe people come in the house and of course, this is back in the day, you know, put them away when people come over, you know, he does his stuff on the street when he was like, you know, trying to get at the dogs and people and, well, you know, it's because he was abused and, you know, it was because of this and he came from here and he then this is breed and oh, the schools, the schools, the schools, the schools, the schools. At one point, do we grow? You know, like, like, you know, he challenged me just as much as I challenged him. And we both came out of this on top. We both grew and we helped overcome each other's weaknesses. You know, like he taught me perseverance and he taught me patience and he taught me calmness. If it wasn't for him, that wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. That wouldn't be the case. Not just, not just from a professional standpoint, but also from a personal standpoint and from a advancement of like, look, we're in, I'm not doing a podcast. You know, I tell my family sometimes, like especially my mom, you know, old school Sicilian lady. She, first of all, she has no clue what a podcast is. And I got to tell you, at first, I didn't know what a podcast was either. I wanted to do one, but I had no clue what it was. So I told my mom, yeah, you know, I'm in the podcast. She doesn't know what that means. You know what I mean? And so when it comes to like, like old school Sicilians, they're not looking to overcome the, those weaknesses. They just 
tolerate them. They, this is who they are and this is how it is. And that's really, you know, an old school mentality um, that I really don't agree with. And I don't like that when it comes to our dogs too, because that's making them not reach their full potential. And that's on us. We got to take responsibility for that, you know? And it also stems from the whole thing we were talking about being disciplined. You know, we got to be disciplined for ourselves. We got to discipline, be disciplined for them, you know? So it's just constant, continuous improvement and growth and, um, you know, not allowing bad situations to create the reality that we live in, you know, that's what it's all about. It's just, you know, it's the superhero lifestyle of just saving ourselves, saving others. And we just continue to get better and better and move forward and improve, you know, and that's what I really want to remind you guys, um, in all honesty is being disciplined, discipline, uh, having discipline with your dog, with yourselves is not a bad thing. You know, it's okay to be tough. It's okay to be firm. It's okay to be strict. It's necessary, not just with them, but with yourselves and with others too. It's okay to do that. And it's necessary. It's also, um, okay to not nurture weakness. You know, somebody's struggling. It's okay to motivate them, to inspire them, to push them, to challenge them. Because otherwise you stay where you are. And that's just sucks. Especially if you're, if your situation is not exactly the greatest. So just my own two cents on this stuff, guys. So really would love to hear uh, what you guys think about that. Uh, la vostra opinione importante. Ooh, that was Italian, actually. That wasn't even Sicilian. La vostra opinione importante. Your opinions matter. They're important. They really matter. Um, you know, would love to hear what you guys think about that. Are you disciplinarians? You want to learn how to be a disciplinarian? You know, you nurture weakness in yourselves and others. You want to talk about that further? Let me know. And uh, we could have a discussion about that. And I could definitely motivate you guys because, you know, I get tough. You know what I'm saying? I get tough. So, um, some people, they just don't listen. Some people you could get as tough as you want. They don't want it. Then you're not going to get it. And you know what? That's on them. You know, you can't, you can't save everybody. You know what I mean? You know, when I, when I made the decision to, to work with dogs, I had to come to the realization that you can't change everybody. It's just not possible. So you put in your best effort. You try to figure out what they need from you because it's not one system fits all. It's not a cookie cutter approach is I have to understand the person at the other end and, cater to them and you know do they need to be brought down do i need to be tough do i need to be motivational do i need to be inspirational you know do i need to be nurturing you know you got to figure that out and regardless of once you figure it out sometimes it just doesn't work because you can't do for others if they don't want to do for themselves so that's the bottom line so that's why i don't like the fact that we nurture weakness because we got to help those people we got to help those dogs become better you know and then we become better too again look what socks did for me really, really, really a beautiful relationship. You know what I mean? So anyway, let me know what you guys think about that. And um, don't forget to subscribe, hit the subscribe button, follow us on our podcast platforms. If you don't want to watch this gorgeous face, which I don't know why you wouldn't, but Hey, um, also you get to check, check out all the cool uh, instructional videos and all the cool stuff we got on, on Facebook and Instagram. So anyway, guys, hope you guys enjoyed this video. I am Pat the Pac-Man. This is Barking for Balance. I will catch you guys next time. Peace out.